Welcome to the Arrest All Mimics podcast with your host Ben Talon. Hello and welcome to Arrest All Mimics. My name is Ben Talon. This is the original thinking and creative innovation podcast. What have you all been up to? I hope you're all having a good time, staying warm, unlike my studio, which is absolutely Baltic. Uh, frost on the windows and everything. Little oil heater doing nothing. Absolutely nothing. Six jumpers and a hood and gloves. Ridiculous. Anyway, we won't go on about that. <laughs> the weather is cardboard testing pads. Is that the right word? don't know. And overfilled carrier bags. Yes, so we do the weather on a rest of a mix. Ongoing segment, doing it a little bit differently because I used to bang on too much about the real weather, which I kind of just contradicted myself and did before that weather. Anyway, let's not get caught up on that. Nick Chubb, last week, did you enjoy the show? I hope you found it interesting. Uh, we were talking about the modern portfolio and what that represents in 2016. Heading into 2017, of course, Christmas coming up. I'm going to be doing a bit of a Christmas special with Lauren Goodland. Uh, December 20th episode, episode 51, Um, she's awesome, Cardiff uh, and Newport based designer and also an illustrator and she's done an alternate run of Christmas cards, we're going to be chatting about those and what it means and how designers can use Christmas as a good kind of time to stay abreast of things, get in touch with their clients, keep people in the loop and see all that's going on, so that's coming up next week, but first and foremost... It's the big one. It's episode 50 today. Um, thank you all so much for all the, the heavyweight support and getting me this far. Can you believe that? I've been doing it over a year now and I can't believe we've reached the 50 episode milestone. I never really thought about how long this was going to run too much when I started it. It was a bit of an experiment, a new thing, broadcasting, uh, recording, editing, all that stuff is all new for me. So I really never thought we'd get this far, if I'm honest, deep down. I had ambition for it, but you just don't know what's... You know, you think, am I going to run out of guests, run out of angles? I, who knows what's going to go on? Is it going to get in the way of your work? But as things go, I absolutely love doing it. Uh, you know, it's a great pleasure to do this every week, to meet interesting, fascinating, creative people, and hopefully create this archive of, of motivational, inspiring material with all these exciting, creative professionals. Um, let me know your thoughts. How have you found the show so far? Where would you like to see it go? Who would you like to see on the show? Um, your feedback is paramount. Um, social media's been great. I'm always getting people tweeting about previous episodes, about you know who they'd like to see. Be cool to get a few more suggestions. If you've done something cool and you want to come on the show, let me know. It's been it's happened a few times where someone's gone, look, I've been doing this thing. Uh, let me know if you think it's worthy of an interview, and, and sometimes it is. So, you know... Get in touch. Want to know what you're up to. Want to want to feature all this exciting stuff and just show how many different ways we can uh, use our minds to create beautiful stuff. So thanks to my sponsors who have been absolutely pivotal in getting me this far. Uh, it wouldn't. It would have been nothing without the input of Illustration Limited. Um, my agency, you can check them out, illustrationweb.com. They helped me get it off the ground. It was partly their idea. Uh, I sat down with Harry Lyon-Smith, the managing director, and said, look, I want to continue this media stuff. What do you think? And he knew I was a talker, so he said, podcasts. I listen to loads. You, uh, you know, I know you listen to a few. We'd had this conversation in the past. Why don't we look at doing it together? So he helped me get it off the ground. They've been absolutely crucial ever since. So you really should go and check out their amazing roster of over 200 artists and illustrators, set designers, fashion designers, you name it. Go and check it out. All sorts of specialisms and... 
uh, versatile people on there, everything you could need in the world of illustration, animation, uh, and the rest of it. So thanks so much to those guys for helping me do that. Uh, and then it was Hart Internet came on board. Hart sponsored uh, the Dot London inaugural creative. No, sorry, not creative. The Dot London Awards, um, and I managed to somehow on my own win Creative Agency of the Year. Uh, this big beginning of this year, actually, uh, which was a huge buzz. So much cool support from people who follow my work and Heart Internet, one of the sponsors. So I got chatting to Nick Leach on the night uh, who was on a previous episode. You go and check that out on Winning at the Internet. Um, and his company, Heart Internet, came on board with the show. They liked what I was doing. They wanted to, to get more involved and support the creative industries. So there they are providing hosting SEO tips. Um, they've got so many good tools for getting your Google ranking boosted basically, to say it archaically. Uh, they'll tell you more on the tech side of what they do, but everything digital, everything internet, hosting, SEO, you know, all that kind of stuff, go and check them out. They're really, really great. Loads of tips on their website, on their YouTube for improving your own stuff. Um, and they give us little tips every week. So although we talk about the show scenes we're on episode 50, um, it's been a real learning curve for me to push something that's not just about me, which is what happens with your own social media channels inevitably. It's been nice to have to think about a show and the people that I'm representing as guests and that are giving me the time of day to chat to them. So it's great to look at the different angles within their work and think how I can sell them. It's a nice kind of little marketing crash course in a way. So it's not been going too bad. We're we're approaching 1,100 on the Twitter now. It's building all the time. Followers and numbers are going up. The listener statistics are getting better. So there are so many ways you can do it. And it really forces you to think about the many different ways that you can sell a certain episode over a week. So I guess my point for this one is look at what you're doing and how many different strains of um, marketing potential can you take from any given project? You know, uh, who's involved with it? Can you shout about them? Where's it been seen? Can you shout about that? Where did you do it? Can you can you champion that also? Can you show the process? Can you show the behind the scenes in the studio? So many ways to stretch what you're doing. So really think about how you can maximise every project. And that's courtesy of my second sponsor, Hearts Internet. And then the third sponsor on board, uh, Printed.com. They've blown me out of the water with their support for this show and the creative industries. They run a great blog where they profile loads of cool design, creative industries, illustration projects every week. Uh, um, and they do it really, really well and really honestly. Honestly, They're great supporters of this show and we've got a constant dialogue going on and they're excited about who's coming up next. They like to get behind that. They were buzzing when I told them about today's guest, Malika Favre, for episode 50, uh, as they are about all guests. So go and check them out for your printed stuff. I use them myself. I use them for the promo for this show. I get flyers done. Very reasonable, great customer service and great quality, most importantly. Speaking of great printed goods, I was around Malika's place, Uh, she works from home and I was working around there in East London recording this podcast, having a chat with her and some of the awesome printed stuff she's got up on the wall, like a previous great job that she's proud of, just looks so damn sexy in print, you struggle to find a person whose work replicates better in print than Malika, so... It goes without saying, for someone uh, like Malika, who's got a real obsessive nature with her work, as she'll go on to explain later today, it's absolutely paramount this stuff is shown off in its best possible form. Uh, And of course, printed.com are the guys to make that happen. Um, uh, They do over 90 different products, all different kind of finishes. And they're just great people. So go and check them out, printed.com, use them. Um, Can't say any more than that. So thanks to those sponsors for getting me to this point. Another thing worth mentioning, Malika won... Uh, one of the awards at the Association of Illustrators and Directory of Illustration World Illustration Awards um, two years ago, I think it was, 2015. And 
she absolutely nailed it and the work just reproduced so beautiful and it was shown off in the the AOI's gorgeous catalogue that they do for the event uh, and it's worth just giving them those guys a little mention too because the AOI have been doing some great work to, to spread the love with this show recently and uh, I'm very very happy to have them on board and you really should go and check them out um, in the past two weeks, I'm not going to name names but two people have been in touch uh, panicking with quoting on jobs because they've had some approaches that they weren't sure about licenses or how they should price and uh, in one instance um, Rod Hunt who was a previous guest on this show uh, and former chairman actually of the AOI was very quick to help and he was there on hand and uh, one of the people who got in touch was an AOI member so they were able to go in the back area uh, members area and check out all the great helping advice it was a it was a packaging query actually and there's specific advice on pricing different jobs and licenses and things like that. So it's absolutely crucial. And as we move forward now with the internet and digital, um, all this stuff gets really crucial. So uh, the AOI also supporting the show. Really, really cool stuff. So from episode 50, where's it going? I do not know. I never know and I don't really want to know because it's such an organic show that I like to just take recommendations on the fly. I like to see where I'm traveling and see who I can peg down in said town. Last week I was chatting to Lisa Maltby. Uh, I had a one hour, 15 minute window in between train journeys, passing through Sheffield on my way to Leeds from London. Uh, and Lisa was flexible enough and kind enough to come into town uh, and meet me in the pub by the station. And there we sat down and nailed great podcast about an amazing project where she's been turning unnecessarily negative criticism into typographic pieces. How's that for a positive from a negative? She's a great girl and that's going to be coming up in the new year, so look out for that. But without further ado, today's guest, Malika Favre. Um, Malika's brilliant. She's actually popped up very briefly on a, on a previous show. If you go back and listen to the DNAD Festival special, Malika's part of a group along with Paul Willoughby from Human After All, who were also on the show, Awesome Creative Agency. And they were doing some of the DNAD awards judging. Uh, and they sat down to tell me about that process. So Malika has been on very briefly. But ever since, she was such a cool girl and her work's so amazing. French illustrator and artist does this amazing um, digitally drawn vector-based style and it's so iconic, it's so kind of chic and she's just a big hitter in the industry, huge following, just does things great. She's a great personality too um, and I wanted to go and chat to her so Malika kindly invited me around to her apartment in East London and we sat down for a good couple of hours and we talked about many different themes, about creativity, about her upbringing and... and, um, you know, what sort of influence her parents had on her, what Paris is like compared to London. We're going to talk about all sorts to do with that. We're going to talk about the sexuality of her style. She did a, a first freelance job, was an amazing Kama Sutra for Penguin Books. And it's just knockout. It looks gorgeous. It's very raunchy. And she's going to talk about that. She's going to talk about how even her grandparents were very open about sex growing up and how that comes into her work and it's not a forced thing. She's just very open and very liberal about those things and it's very exciting conversation. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Malika's such a good character, as I'm sure you'll tell with the amount that we're laughing on this show. But she's a big hitter. I'm very honoured to have her on the show. So thanks to Malika for taking the time to give me um, out of her schedule and... I hope you guys enjoy it too. Let me know your thoughts on the Twitter, at Arrest All Mimics. Get in touch. Email me best place on my own website, uh, hello at bentallon.com, or you can hit me on my own Twitter, at bentallon. Take your pick. At Arrest All Mimics is the optimum one. Thanks again to the sponsors. Looking forward to what you think about this show. So without further ado, you find me with Malika Favre. So what's your story? Not in depth, but I'm, I'm quite intrigued because I thought, right, okay, because when you said, well, let's do something a bit different, I thought, okay. 
That's cool. I like that. Um, so I, I read a couple of previous interviews, and there's one <laughs> yeah. where you were chatting about um, just about your parents and your background. It was really fascinating. I found it really. I found I have it good, quite a funny background. Really interesting. Yeah. So is it cre- do you come from a creative family? Yeah, I mean, my my um, yes and no. Like uh, my mum is extremely creative. Uh, she kind of does everything, bit of everything. Um, but she never, it was never a job, like she was a stay-at-home mum. But she's always been, she was always creating things. So that's how I got started. Yeah. And she was amazing. Like, I remember like when I was a kid, it's like everything she touched was like gold. Like, you know, she could make me clothes. Mm. I always had like the best costumes at school. Nice. Like, I mean, it got to a point where I had some, when I was young, when I was too young, she actually dressed me up and I looked ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) So that I had to stop. But after that, you know, I could, whenever I wanted something, I couldn't afford, like, you know, to buy the real thing and just ask her, like, you know, can you do it for me? Yeah. Oh, no, no. So she was, uh, yeah, my mum was super uh, artistic. <laughs> but my, my dad is the opposite. I mean, you can say he's like, he's creative in, in his own way, but he's more like, he's an intellectual, like a proper, mm. like, he can't do anything with his hands, like anything. He can't even build shelves. Like, I asked him in my previous life to build some shelves. <laughs> and that's so wonky. He's just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and he was really upset, like a kid, when he was doing it as well. Like, oh, I don't so want to do that. Funny. I get like that. That's, so, that's brilliant. I'm the worst. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I was in my hometown in Keithley, West Yorkshire, mm. and I was on a night out. And I got introduced to this woman, and she was so Yorkshire. And, she, and I shook her. I shook, I'd been in London too. I shook her hand. And she grabbed it. And she went... Oh my god, have you ever done a day's work in your life? <laughs> and, um, and she so went, they're the softest hands, you give me them. She's like grabbing them, and I'm like, get off! <laughs> I'm, going, I'm a designer, alright? That's true, that's all you know. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think I can do more things DIY wise than my dad. Brilliant. Yeah, which is quite, yeah. But he's like, he's in. He, he's got like this giant library, he's got so many books, he's read so many things. Mm. He knows so much about a lot of things. Uh, so yeah, it's more like he lives in his head and mm. and he thinks, he's a thinker. Mm. And my mum is more a crafty, you know, she's yeah. a doer. Good dynamic. Yeah, huh? yeah so it's kind, of, yeah, it's, it's kind of a funny balance. It's mm. kind of, yeah, I think it's a funny balance. <laughs> and uh, it's probably, yeah, it's probably why it turned out the way I am. That's cool. So you ended up creative and you know things and you can put a shelf up. Well, yeah, I can I can I can put a shelf up, but I still like I still I'm still a bit shit at it to be honest. I've got one of my really good friends to come and do it for me most of the time. Brilliant. Yeah. And, and but new patience, that's my problem. <laughs> and that was Paris, right? You grew up in Paris? Yeah. Suburbs. Yeah. Okay. Suburbs that's really interesting. I've only been twice. I need to go back as an adult. I went as a teenager. Oh you should. God, mm. it's like two hours away. It's I so know. easy. And it's, it's, Paris is in a really good place right now. It used to be really static, like nothing happening mm. a couple of years back. And, and now, I don't know, every time I go back, there is something new. I mean, it's really, it has really good energy. Yeah? Now. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. It's a creative city, would you say? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is, but it's not as, it is, but it's not as free as here. Like, mm. you know, you don't have that same kind of, uh, here everything moves so fast. Oh, God, yeah. It's crazy, but it's almost too crazy sometimes. You know, <laughs> nothing stays the same. Yes. In Paris, everything stays the same. Okay, you know? that's cool. and then But people are very conservative as well about... They're very uh, wary of change. Yeah. Which sometimes, when it comes to the creative industry, I think is not that great. But I think it's also changing. Like, it's also yeah. more... Yeah, it's developing. That's interesting. So I was reading about the Impressionists... Yeah, and about their struggle to kind of yeah. get any recognition and having to go off and do their own thing. Uh, anyone doing anything new? Yeah, it's 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 never. 
I mean, especially in design and illustration, I think they're never going to be... I mean, it's quite mean to say that, but... I think it's always going to be a place where you're going to struggle to do something very new. Mm. But then if you go and do something very new somewhere else, then they'll welcome you back. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. I always love that idea about going and being like massive in some small country and yeah. then like... <laughs> but it's funny actually because for me that's how it worked like I, I think if I stayed in Paris I would never be an illustrator mm. I actually don't think I would um, and I had to first launch my career in the UK and even that, like I, I had to be you know like to, to, to get to that stage in the UK that I was recognized for what I was doing to start working for French clients yeah. so it was quite funny that is quite interesting yeah, yeah. so am I right in thinking this? so you went into was it you went into quantum physics no so I did like it's it's I started but I didn't stay very long yeah. um, no but what I basically it's, I think it's also it sounds more fancy than it, than it actually is yeah. in real life it's more that the French system the way it works is that when you grow up at least that's how it worked when I was at school when you when you grow up and you're at school basically if you're good at math and physics or even if you're average you're always going to try and go... You're always going to be pushed yeah. to study math and physics because after the A-level, if you've, if you've got a scientific A-level, you can do anything, even mm. art, even literature. Yeah. Whereas when you do literature, there are a lot of things you can't do, like so, you know, doors are yeah. closed. So I think it's, more, it's not even a matter of whether you want to do it, it's a matter of whether you can do it. So yes. if you can do it, you will. So I did it, kind of not thinking about it, but thinking... I love, I love it. I was quite good at it. I was like, okay, let's do it. And then, I don't know, I never... Yeah, I never really considered art as a viable option. But you don't at that age. That's, no, exactly. that, This is why I have a problem with, particularly now, the way the education system's going in terms of the e-back and knocking yeah. art into this yeah. less, lesser subject. Yeah. I, hate, I hate it because there are so many talented kids who could find such belonging yeah. in creativity. And are not given the chance for that very reason because they feel yeah. like it's a more relevant thing to go down this path to whatever, whatever yeah. else, you know. Which is crazy because you've got like I mean there is a you know there is a world between fine art, you know, absolutely being an artist and <laughs> you know working with galleries, no, 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 you know, and doing you know a proper job like accountant or whatever. You know, I find it crazy because you've got so many. You know, graphic designer, architect, visualizer. You've got everything. And it's actually and it's jobs. Melt, it's, all mer- it's all merging. You yeah. know, with the technology now and digital, yeah, yeah. It's, it's all coming together. Yeah. The boundaries are being knocked down quite rapidly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you need creative people. You do, absolutely, yeah. in tech and all these crucial things. Yeah. Actually, next week's show is um, with a lady called Mariana Pestana, Portuguese yeah. lady who's a curator at the V&A. Really fascinating stuff. And she did an exhibition, curated an exhibition called This Time Tomorrow. Yeah. And it featured like a really kind of, it was in the news a lot, but do you know Chelsea Manning, the like US transgender yeah. soldier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For yeah. Um, an artist managed to get a strand of her hair, wrote to her in prison, got a strand of her hair and, uh, and a bit of saliva, and has created a 3D print of her, of her face. But not a 3D portrait. Yeah. And, was, and Mariana was telling me this story, and it just, my head was exploding. Because fascinating. Oh yeah. my God, like, where are we going? You know, and... Yeah. and it excites me quite a lot, I have to admit. I've, I've painted on... And sometimes it's scary. Prints. Oh, God, it's terrifying as well. Did you see, I've started watching um, the third season of Black Mirror on Netflix. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Every time it freaks me out. <laughs> well, I can't stop watching it. But, yeah. well, one of my best mates, Danny Ellison, who's also an illustrator, who's the first guest on this show, he, uh, he came down last week. We went to Lubbock. Yeah. And um, he's just he was on like a big... He watched the Adam Curtis documentary with all the stuff on yeah. 
the internet and everything else. Yeah, <laughs> we both have quite existential minds. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We just sat for about an hour in the pub and I'm not joking. The yeah. conversation was ridiculous. I'd hoped to get a second podcast episode with him. And in the end, he went, I don't know if I can use this. It was just a rant for an hour about <laughs> the world. It was crazy. But I think, do you have one of those minds? Do you have a sort of, do you procrastinate? Do you? No, no, no not that much actually. And I tend to, uh, to forget. Like, yeah, I tend to kind of put the stuff bad stuff at the back of my mind i'm quite good at like yeah. staying optimistic yeah. but you know sometimes it gets to you though yeah not all oh, the God, time. yeah i'm getting better it's just yeah. i think because i'm always reading like about wired or whatever else and, and yeah. trying to keep broadening my horizons with yeah. like, for my work really but yeah sometimes i just like oh god i need to stop reading all this stuff and watching these documentaries like in black mirror yeah but that's the problem it's like the more you watch it the more you read about it the more it gets to you. And I, I, I know because like I, for a really long time, I didn't watch anything. I didn't read anything. I was so happy. And actually, lately, I've been start, I actually got into, a, oh, I should never have done that. I've got a very obsessive personality. Mm. So once I do something, I do it like all the way. And I started watching all these crime documentaries. No, but like really bad, like proper crime documentaries about basically uh, people who spent 18 years in jail yeah. for something they didn't do. Oh, the Police corruption, like West Memphis Three, like all this. Oh, yeah. uh, Did you watch Making a Murderer? Yes, of course, of course. <laughs> that I watched me. all really of them. Me. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> now I've watched like about I think about twenty or twenty-five of them. I got to a point where I actually downloaded some because I couldn't find them anywhere. And actually, now I'm really depressed. <laughs> <laughs> you did the lot and now it's over that's amazing yeah <laughs> that's oh. the thing is it as a freelancer you can listen and watch all these things whilst you work I can't do that that's my problem oh right are you were there you no were, no you I have to eating. just do that <laughs> yeah, even better <laughs> yeah. like you're getting all of it <laughs> yeah I actually take time of my personal time to watch all of those do you think is that okay thinking about your style then is that a reflection of that side of your personality because it's quite geometric it looks like it's a very precise style, your work. Yeah. yeah? Is, that, is that a reflection of that part of your personality, do you think? Yeah, definitely. Yeah? Yeah, because you have to be obsessive to do what I do. Yeah. Like, even though it looks very, very simple. Oh, God, it's not. Some of the, yeah, and some of the construction of it, some of the patterns, and the attention to detail, for me, that's what, for me, that's what makes a difference, because mm. you've got so many people doing vector work. It's not minimalist vector. is like, you know, a whole world of illustrators. Yes. But... Uh, but I know that I can spend like easily two hours on a curve mm. just to have it perfect or kind of so yeah so that's my yeah that's part of my personality mm. I think I've and I can work like flat out for like 10 hours without moving oh me too yeah. god yeah I think, I think when you genuinely like or you, you know your practice and the process I think yeah it is quite addictive I'm yeah. friends with an illustrator called Charles Williams and he does he has a very digital style in, this, yeah. in the same way that yours is it's, it's so mathematically correct and, and obsessive and, and I was like, yeah. like he's the same thing he can be just and, it, and it's the, you know the quality is immense like yours but yeah but yeah I just always have visions of them sat in this dark room with like <laughs> time flying by <laughs> yeah yeah and it's quite freaky when I work because I work in total silence oh really I can't listen to music I can't That's do anything so I'm basically sitting down in mm. silence well, that, but I get that in a sense because when, any, whenever I have to concentrate even in, even in voicing or writing yeah. or writing an article I can't have anything on either. Yeah. It's only when I'm drawing and, and I, I guess I'm lucky in that I've got just a very loose brush yeah. style that I can... But see, that's the way... It, but that's a, I think that's a more normal way to do it. It's like, for me, it's always been like the other way around. So when I draw, I can't listen to anything. I can't listen to music. 
But when I write, like for example, when I used to do like dissertations or stuff mm. like that, then I listen to music. It's weird. Oh, really? It's just really strange. <laughs> That's really interesting. Yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> different side of my brain, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> But yeah. That's brilliant. So, so how long have you been going now as an illustrator? Uh, freelance I've been uh, six years I think now yeah. five, six yeah probably six years you still enjoying the freelance because I know you worked at um, remind me of the ages Airside yes yeah I did Airside for four or five years four and a half I think yeah uh, yeah I mean I think I was I was always meant to be freelance I think it was kind of it's funny I think we are all meant to be freelance in the family it's like a it's a genetic thing yeah and uh, I don't miss it like I loved, I loved it and I learned a lot and I, I'm really happy to have done it this way around. Mm. It's like, you know, learning how to work with clients, learning how to work with people yeah. and then you go on your own and you're your own boss and mm. I just love that because I don't need anyone to boss me around so I'm like, <laughs> no, no, I actually I love it. I think it's perfect for me. Yeah. I always say that I was harder on, I've been so much harder on myself than any manager ever, yeah. I ever had. Yeah, of course. I guess because I care but, yeah. you know, yeah. Perfection. You become a perfectionist, don't you? Well, you said yourself two hours. On yeah, the but also, also, uh, also, I think if you start, you know, kind of being in a mindset of oh, that will do, you know, oh, whatever, who cares? Then it's dangerous and mm. it reflects on the work. And I think, you know, it might be fine for like the next six months or something, but at some point, it's going to reflect on your reputation. And yeah, yeah, it's like I don't know. Yeah, for me, it's like a luxury to be doing what I'm doing, so I can't really fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> It's totally true. You look. Yeah. I mean, you look around, and the amount of people you see if I ever visit universities that are, that are yeah. you know, dying to, to get into our industry and, and yeah. to do it full time seems like this. And certainly, to me, it seemed like this far fetched fantasy. Yeah. When I was sat in a freezing cold garage after working at the council, you know, yeah. spent my days like going through wheelie bins to see yeah. if someone was like warranted a second one, <laughs> and then I'd run to the studio and it was freezing. It was terrible conditions, but. I just loved it being in there. Yeah. I was just I was in the zone, and I thought, "Oh my god, I've got a chance at doing this." Yeah. You know? And I've never lost that. I don't ever want to lose that feeling. Yeah. Because if you do, that's when you go backwards. Yeah, yeah and it is a real chance. It is a real chance. Like so few people do what they actually, you know, yeah, what they actually want to do. Yeah. Like my dad being the first one. Like he's a. I mean, now it's a bit better, but like he's kind of a teacher for teacher like a coordinator in a school for like rough kids but he's, he's done like all kinds of jobs in his life but the truth is that he's all he wants to do is read write do conferences because he's he studied theology and he's really into that there's no job in there's no work in that but so he's like his whole life is you know he would have worked in areas that are not you know what he really wanted to do mm. and I could see like with him it was very frustrating especially having yeah. the responsibilities of having kids and so you know having mm. to bring you know some money home and I don't know and I know it's a, it's a real struggle so I think yeah. it's yeah we're very lucky to be doing what we want absolutely yeah, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's incredible really it's just, mm. did you I mean did you draw as a kid I, I, yeah I, all I, the yeah, time I, me too I loved, I loved it sitting there drawing footballs yeah. wrestlers And that's, nothing's changed. Yeah, that's funny. Well, I was drinking, I was drawing naked girls. Nothing really? Changed. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's brilliant. I love that. But then again, again, the same thing. Like I, I, this was the basis of a, a talk I did at the, the design festival, uh, saying that your child was playing those little obsessions in your teenage years. Yeah. Why, there's, why, there's always this weird disconnect. Yeah. I guess it goes back to what you said about the school thing, about mm. being pushed into this other thing. Still now in 2016, why can why can people not make that connection between yeah. 
pa- play and passion and profession. It's very weird to me. Yeah, I find that really odd, especially since you were uh, the same, like going to, you know, like after going to a few conferences, listening to, you know, some amazingly talented people, a lot of them, like one thing that comes back every time is that what they're doing now comes from something in their childhood. Mm. It's crazy. Like, I still remember, like, uh, you know, um, I went to uh, India last year for a conference. There was uh, Jessica Walsh, and she was talking how she did this website for Imaginary Friend when she was eight or something, you know. That's it's good. crazy. but like, so good. Yeah, and, 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 and it's not the first time I hear that. And a lot of people, a lot of creative people, I think, their singularities, their originality comes from very deep, and it comes from mm. something that's been developed, you know, over 20 years. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. Did you um, so? Did you kind of when you were a kid, you don't consciously know why you do creative things, right? I think no, you just yeah, you just. But do, but do you think you fed a lot from what your parents were doing? I mean, that that dynamic sounds really fascinating to me. So I'm just really interested yeah. to know how much of you comes from being exposed to that. Oh, but I mean, of course, my mum would my mum pushed me to draw, you know, mm-hmm. very early. But I always loved it. So for me, she never forced me to draw. I was always the one who wanted to draw. Yes. But I think also the fact that uh, we didn't have TV growing up, and that was very, very, very rare, uh, you know, in the eighties. Yeah. So um, no TV, no video games, nothing digital, mm. and me and my brother, we had to find ways to entertain ourselves. And yeah. do th- And for me, it was drawing or playing with Barbies, you know, like mm. every little girl, but a lot of drawing. And I think my mum always pushed me, like she always, you know, uh, corrected my mistakes and, you know, tried to make, to make me better at drawing. But I think, like often, like people think like, oh, okay, but, you know, did she really push you hard? And I don't know, because she was a bit harsh. But I actually think no, because I, I never felt, for me, it was never something I was forced to do. Yeah. And I wanted to get better and I wanted I was drawing obsessively, like every day. And I never stopped. Yeah. Like I was drawing at school, I was drawing like in everything, like cool. you know, science yeah. class, like German class, like everything. Yeah. When something's so natural and comes out of you yeah. like that all the time, you have to guide that, you know. I, yeah. I think that's the same thing. I mean my, my parents encouraged always, but only when I showed an inclination. Yeah. It was never why why are you not drawing? I never got asked why are you not drawing? Yeah. It was it was only when I showed there were times when I wouldn't do it for a few months yeah. and I'd be more interested in going and playing football and that was fine too. Yeah. And you know, through that I, that helped my social skills. And you can find benefits in everything. Yeah. But um but that's yeah, that's really interesting. I had a lady on the show called Carla Palucci, a friend from New York, really good designer and illustrator, and um she said she would she comes from an Italian American family, so yeah. she's always exposed to these like sassy old Italian women, like grandmas and aunties and things. Yeah. And just, so she's got this fiery personality, which is really, really great. And she said that it wasn't uncommon to go like down to the doctors uh, with their mum, and she'd take her top off, and she'd just be covered in marker pen or whatever. Like she's amazing stories about these like artistic outbursts from this kid, and she's just like that's really funny. <laughs> I just, I'm just so fascinated by that. I think backgrounds answer a lot about people and where they, where yeah, they end up. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course, and even the tone, like, I know, like, the, the, the uh, you know, part of the reason why I ended up doing a lot of erotic work is also down to my education, mm. you know. It's something that was always talked about at home, was never, like, a taboo, was yeah. never, you know, it was never a problem. It was like, you know, even with my grandparents, you know, like, my, my grandma used to ask me, like, wow, wear a condom, like, when I was, like, 14. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. <laughs> very French, very French. But, um, yeah, it was always something very uh, open. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and I think that, uh, you know, that had a massive influence on me as well. And, and approaching it, approaching the, my erotic work, not as something 
provocative or trying to break taboos or not, but just that's something that was quite natural. Yeah, because um, you respond to what's going to the world around and it's yeah, this thing yeah. that is inherent among all of yeah. us, you know. I yeah. find that really brilliant. You did the uh, the Kama Sutra, right? The, yeah, the Kama Sutra, the Alpha Bunnies. I did a few. What a great nine. project. Yeah. It was, was great. It was yeah. great. I loved it. It was my first freelance project. Serious? That was yeah. your first one? Proper one. Oh, yeah. Great first client. Yeah, Penguin for Spion, that was wow. perfect. <laughs> Going in strong, love that. Oh uh, yeah, I was so scared when I did that project. I was like, oh, don't fuck it up, don't fuck it up. I almost <laughs> did. Oh, I was terrified in my first job. Yeah. Almost on the point of tears with some of them. Yeah. You do, don't you? Because yeah. you want to do it so bad when you get it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and, it's like, yeah. and sometimes <laughs> when it's like super obvious, like when I got the Kama Sutra, because I had already done two alphabets before, um, and a, you know, fair bit of sexy work. I was like, oh, totally up my street. It's going to be a breeze. Like it's going to be so easy. Oh mm. my god, it was the, the hardest process yeah. ever. Yeah, I think I went through like I don't know, like five, six rounds of sketches. Every time three different ideas. I mean, I thought I was going to lose the commission, to be honest. Yeah. At some point, yeah. It is, was it? You find that that you some. I find with book projects too as well. They can go on sometimes. And oh, it feels yeah. like there's these points where you're like, oh god. But that's my problem with book design. Actually, I lose the momentum. So that's why I don't do it. Yeah. Because I lose the momentum and I think there are a lot of politics involved in uh, publishing, which means that sometimes they make people, I mean, very often they make people work uh, in parallel, mm. you know, different illustrators, illustrator, photographers. That's fair enough. But then, you know, once out of, you know, once out of three times, you actually, your cover actually doesn't end up being published and you've worked three months on it mm. and you're paid like a kill fee. I mean, it's just like the whole... So now I just do it like with very, very specific, like Penguin, of course, like very specific yeah. clients. And and every time I try to have a, a tighter deadline, I don't want a job to run over three months for like a book cover because yeah. I think you lose, for me, I lose the momentum and yeah, it's just, it doesn't flow. You do, don't you? Because other things come in and yeah. you get new ideas and inspirations and you want yeah. to go and do something else. And then yeah. when this whole thing returns right in the middle of your schedule it's yeah. sometimes yeah like, exactly yeah. that was once a beautiful yeah. job and now I just yeah. don't want to look at it yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah. had that few times mm. but I do yeah I do it from time to time but very rarely yeah like right now I'm back into uh, editorial massively yeah you yeah. enjoying it again yeah oh, I love it but I stopped for like years because I started with editorial then went into more like advertising campaigns I mean what pays the most basically plus doing my personal project and yeah, and I just forgot about editorial. I never had time for editorial because, mm. as you were saying, for The Guardian, it's very tight deadlines. Yeah. And the problem is, like, I was constantly busy. I've mm. never had a week where I didn't have work. So because I was, I was like, you know, I was at 100 capacity all the time. As soon as an editorial brief came in, I just didn't have the time to do it. I thought, like, I'm going to go yeah. nuts. So I just stopped. And at some point, I realized I missed it so much. And the best, my best work was for editorial. I found it interesting because I've, I've gone through a similar process. It yeah. seems to have crept back in a bit more again recently after yeah. like moving in other directions. And the nice thing is now I do a real broad range of stuff, but it's given me this renewed appreciation of the thing that's started yeah. with. And like you say, there's a, there's a freedom there because often yeah. you, you're given a, a space and it's like, right, do, do you, here's the brief. Yeah. And I like the parameters of an editorial brief because it's mm. up to you to come up with this engaging concept a lot yeah. of the time. Do you like? Do you prefer to be given the brief, or do you prefer like to be just given the copy and go right? Oh, I'm never, I'm never given the brief. Do you? Yeah. I don't like being given the brief at no. all because, also because I think it kills what I do. Because what I do is like if if someone even draws a sketch, that's that's the end of it. Because then it becomes. 
kind of realistic, not realistic vector illustration. Yeah. Whereas I think what I what I do is has a lot to do with concept and composition. Mm. So if I can't have control over the concept, there is no point uh, yeah. for me to do it. And editorial, they never... I mean, editorial, I, I, I don't think I ever get given a brief. Like, that's why I love. It's like well, you get given be. the article. Yeah. Like, here you go, and maybe some initial thoughts yes. sometimes. And that's the beautiful thing. That's the, for me, that's its purest form. Yeah. Because you're working directly with the person who's written the article, so there's the yeah. love of it from two crafts. Yeah. You know, that's a really nice way to do it, I think. No, I love that. Actually, like a couple of uh, weeks ago, we got an email from this guy... Um, and I love that where well, I did like this piece for the New York Times for um, which was a great was a great piece to do like um, the article was about it was called Park Avenue and the article was about um, you know rich wives in the Upper East Side uh, being paid a bonus by their husband a bit like bankers yeah. depending on how they fulfilled their marital duties oh their kids duty. it's a crazy article it's brilliant <laughs> it's actually true Wow. Yeah, and down to even the bedroom, how they performed in the oh bedroom for that God. year. That is crazy. It's a, it was a great article. <laughs> so uh, so I, 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 loved, I loved doing the, the illustration for that. And like a year later or something, then, you know, someone asked me if they could buy the artist proof oh, okay. of, yeah. The, yeah. of the, because I did a limited edition print of it for the writer. And like oh a couple of God. days back, she posted herself, like she got it as a really present. Good. And cool. I love that when you've got yeah. the writer and, you know, the writer, the illustrator That's coming lovely. together. And they really think like, it, you know, I think the, the two things echo each other. I love that. Yeah. I really love that. That's really cool. Mm. <laughs> so here's an interesting question. And I, I've, I've, it just dawned on me recently, I should probably start doing this as like a regular question to people. But if everything changed, like the system we're in now, money, everything stopped, clients... What would you do work-wise? I mean, like, what, what would you, what would you, what, if you, you know, if it didn't matter, if everything, if you, you know, if you didn't have to worry about paying rent, whatever else, and you could just go, right, you have a totally blank canvas, no one to create for in particular, what would you do? What would you, hmm. where would you go? <laughs> if everything was free as well? Or Pretty much, just, just, yeah, if the system we know now, that you know, being paid to do work, yeah. and, and you were just given all this free time and no real expenditure to worry about, what would you create? I would actually travel. Yeah? Yeah, I think I'd go around. I'd just leave, just yeah. take a backpack. Boop, yeah. boop. Would you work while you travelled? Or would you... Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. So I'll, I'll wait for it to come. I'll first I'll travel. Yeah. And then when I miss it too much, I'll start drawing. Yeah, I always miss it. Good answer. But yeah, I think I'll go travelling. <laughs> I find it a curious thing. So how, how, do you, how, do you, how do you stay creative? Like, do you... Um, you know, how do you keep yourself motivated? I mean, do you need to, or is it just that inherent to you? That you no, really... for me, the one thing that gets me, and I realised it lately, is that's why I changed as well the way I work. Um, what really gets me going is uh, intelligent briefs or intelligent people. Mm. Or So, actually, it's always a really good project that gets me so excited for the next one. It's always like that. So, like, for example, since I've been working with The New Yorker, I've never been as excited about... Because they are amazing. It's so, such a good client. They are just amazing. Yeah. And they really, like, they restored my faith <laughs> in the yeah. creative industry and in, you know, a, a, a great art director is very rare. And meeting a yeah. great art director, for me, that, that, you know, that really makes me tick. Mm. I think I've been blessed with a couple and they're yeah really, oh good you're lucky really brought along I can count mine on my finger me on too one hand oh, me, 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 me too like I mean to the point where they've 
you know, knocked three years, three, four years off my, my learning time, you know. Yeah. They've just advanced me on such a yeah. level, you know, bringing their experience and their it's one simple idea can just tell yeah. you go, oh my God, when it might have taken me five years to arrive at that. Yeah. And it's such a beautiful experience when that happens. Yeah, I love that. When you, when you just produce like a really, when you know you've produced a really great piece of work. Mm. It's very rare, but like when it happens, oh, that's the best feeling ever. Yeah. Okay, I, I think I had that for the BAFTAs last year. Such a the that BAFTAs campaign. Incredible. That I loved. I like. I knew like when you you know when we were, when why we were doing it. I knew we were onto something great. Like you know. Yeah. And after that, that really, even though that was very stressful, but yeah, that got me really excited. Yeah, and you won one of the awards, right? The the uh, World World Illustration Awards from that project. Yeah. 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 Which is brilliant because I had Human After All on the show as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I listened to it. Yeah. yeah which was great too. I love oh, that. They are lovely. They're such a great agency and their work is just brilliant. Yeah, I love working with Paul. Yeah. It's funny. It's like, yeah. I still <laughs> remember the first time I met him when I was doing a, taking part in his. Uh, I think the first email I got from him was for uh, his uh, Little White Lies 70s exhibition. And I remember it, it was right when I was going freelance as well. And he sent me an email and he said something like, Hi, Peter. Like, we'd love you to be part of the show. And I just replied, like, I don't think that's for me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry. Yeah, no, that was for you. That <laughs> was a brilliant way to start. But after that, we've, we've, yeah, we've seen each other around. Like, we've worked together. Like, it's funny. Yeah. yeah. It's funny, isn't it, how these connections stay with you as well? Yeah. It's really cool. And it's also, I think that's also interesting because... I think it, it, it goes to show that it doesn't matter if you're doing the project for like a really small agency or if there is no fee involved or you know if you're really shitly paid or whatever. You have to do your best because you can't you can't have two different speeds for different clients for different budgets because you never know where those people are going to end yeah. up as well. It's yeah. like so at the at the beginning I did I, I remember I did like a six page spread in Little White Lies which you know he gave me after the show. And um, that was probably the worst paid job of the world, but it was really exciting and, and you know, I really gave it my all. And I think if I did, if I hadn't done that, mm. I would never have done the BAFTAs. You know, it's... It's full of these stories, like, yeah. and I um, actually wrote about it in that book. Um, my dream client was WWE, the wrestling yeah. in America, and, uh, and I, I've done like over 40 jobs now for them. Oh, and that cool. was, uh, that was yeah. the art director I was telling you about. Like, he was a guy from Bolton in yeah. Lancashire who'd been in New York 20 years became friends really quickly for North Northern England. And that was your bucket list job? Pardon? Yeah, bucket absolutely. It was, the, it was the job. Yeah, for, yeah. Me, for me, it was incredible. But um, but what happened with that one was I did, I worked on a zero budget art direction role on an yeah. independent film. And it was yeah. when I was living in Manchester and I was friends with the director. I knew for a fact he'd loaned like 10 grand from his grandmother for, yeah, for yeah, the yeah. budget, just to pay the actors and the mm. camera crew. And, he's, and, I, and he said to me, like, do you want to design your film poster? I said, I, no. I said, I, I, no, no offence, I've reached a point now where I, I won't really get anything out no. of designing that poster for free for you, so I need a bit more. However, I really love the idea of working on production design in film, yeah. for backdrops and whatever else. If you can give me a little, you know, f- basically a free role on set to just be there and, ah. and do bits of set design and whatever else. Um, and he said, well, but yeah, so I don't have the money for an art director, so if you want it, it's yours. So I just kind of went in this basement where they used as a set. Yeah. You know, out of my own pocket, I paid three quid to get these lining paper rolls from B and Q, and just kind of created these quite naive, inky sort of banners. Lit them using like a nineteen sixty projector and things like that, and just thinking off the top of my head, thought, oh great, looks yeah. alright. But anyway, photographed it. 
I almost didn't put it in the portfolio, but I did. And the art director from WWE saw it and said, tell me about these banners, and I love them. And he said, we only get the time to shoot the wrestlers uh, backstage at the events in the arenas. So the best we have to work with is like a boiler room or a shutters or something. You know, yeah. he, said, he said, we have very little, so we use digital backgrounds. But I, this would give me something I can roll up, take around on set. Oh, and they, did like yeah. a, they did like a 15-page feature called Faces of Evil with all the villains. And it yeah. just... It was amazing. Like, it was the oh, first thing I'd great. done that was in like a three-dimensional context too, yeah. and it changed everything on so many levels. Yeah, yeah. And gave me my dream, dream client, and that was a free favor for a friend. You yeah. know? And it was just goes to show, like, if I'd messed around yeah. and not put my effort into that because it was free, I think. Yeah, exactly. You know, these lessons yeah. are everywhere. I think you just if you just be professional all the time, you don't know who's looking. That's, yeah, that's it. Yeah, and if you listen to your guts as well, yeah, I think totally. it's a lot. It's a lot to do with oh, guts. Instinct is so important. Yeah, so important. That horrible feeling when you get a job, and even before you've had any details, sometimes it's just like, yeah, don't like this. Yeah, don't know if I want to do this. Actually, most of the time, I get that about people yeah. even more than the brief. Like, and I've done it. In, I've made the mistake in the past of of taking on jobs because they sounded great on paper. And I had a really bad feeling about the people. Mm. And actually I realized that, yeah, you don't work for brands, you work with people. It's very true. So, So, you know, and now it's like if I've got a bad vibe, forget about it. Like, and we both, even with my agent, like we both totally agree, like we've seen it over the years. It's like, if he or I have a bad feeling, we drop it. Mm. That's good. And it's quite unfair sometimes. Yeah. You've got a good relationship with them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been sure. with them since the start, and yeah, 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 yeah. Really, 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 really like John. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. He's just a great guy. It's good, isn't it? I love it. I've been with my agency a while now, I mean, near, near enough from the start, but it took took two or three years for, to really get going. But yeah, I love it, and, and they're so good. It's always like that. You always yeah. like, it's like a relationship. I think you always have a bit of a rocky start, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know, yeah. you get on each other's nerves, yeah. and yeah, and then I think yeah, it's very it's, true. Yeah. And how, how did you find your agent at the beginning? Um, well, my, Danny Allison, who's one of my best friends, had been with him two or three years. He, so he put in a good word, but still took about a year of me kind of knocking on the door and sending okay. new stuff, new stuff. And I think he must have reached a point when they went, OK, it's looking like a style now, you know. It's like, yeah, funny. Get him on board. So they got in touch, yeah. And it was, that was a huge buzz. Too. Yeah. It felt like I was being signed to a record label. Yeah. You know, like, if we get a re- record deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are the new, we're the new rock stars anyway. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> There's no rock and roll in this. I don't, I don't actually know if people need agents now. Like, you know, with social media and everything. Mm. I mean, you need you need more like a project manager or someone to help you. Yeah. You know, negotiate. No, no, no. I don't do. You know, maybe some. I think it depends on your personality, maybe. Yeah. Like you said, I think it's another it's another people relationship thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think if you work together and you understand one yeah. another, it can yeah, really exactly. be a, a healthy thing. Yeah. But. No, yeah, I, I couldn't that. actually do. A, I couldn't do a, my job without John. How do you find yours? Um, I think through, again, same, like through a friend of a friend, like I was looking for recommendation and I went to, I kind of emailed like all the big ones, you know, like mm. Heart and uh, Big Active and I all that. that and, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then some, I think a friend that, uh, I think Emma Kelly was uh, represented by Handsome Frank and they just got started like six months before. So it was kind of a very young agency and, and um, I can't remember, someone recommended him. And uh, yeah, and I sent him an email, and it's funny because he's the one who replied in like the next half an hour. Mm. He was like, "Yeah, I'd love to meet you." Cool. And um, and one of the things I loved about it, we met like in a coffee place because he didn't have offices or anything. So we met like in a coffee house or something in central London, and uh, showing him my work, like my A3 work, that that. And what really sold me on it was his first his enthusiasm. 
because he was like, yeah, definitely want to sign you. Like, kind of really excited. Mm. And, and also the fact that he didn't want to put me in a little box, whereas, you know, other agents... Um, and they were actually right in the long run. They had a tendency to be like, okay, scrap all your airside work, all the kind of cutesy, Japanese colorful stuff you've done at airside, and all we're interested in is the sexy ladies, which mm. is what I was doing. Kind of, I, was, I had a bit of both in my portfolio at that time. And, um, and I think John was the only one who believed in both. And in the end, I ended up scrapping all the airside work, but it mm. took, I think I, I wasn't ready to do it, and I would feel yeah. like lying if I did it straight away. Mm. So I think it just happened organically over the next year or so that, you know, these yeah. pieces kind of got taken out of my portfolio, but, but I like that he saw value in that. I also like that they gave you time to let that organic process happen because yeah. so many people want to rush straight to, to the end point and you can't, yeah. you can't do that with creativity. It's, it's impossible. Yeah. yeah, and also sometimes it's like you... I was really scared back then to only be doing sexy ladies, you know, yeah. erotic things because that's what... That, that was the most personal and, and you know, mm. interesting thing of my portfolio, but I didn't want to just do that. And no. I think if, maybe if I had started with a portfolio with just this... It would have gone a different way. You might have you might have become typecast really early, yeah, and just not done anything else, you know. Yeah, which you do have a really cool broad range of subject matter in your portfolio. Yeah, now it's now I yeah. feel like there are different things like that. It's yeah. all like you know there is this erotic, sexy thing, no, 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 and these glamorous ladies, but that's not just. Yeah. I was blown away by that. your Bob Dylan New York. Oh, thank cover. you. So good. That got, was I've a got, tight one, <laughs> tight deadline. Yeah. Well, I got an email at 2 p.m. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. yeah. For press that day. To, and it had to be yeah. uh, delivered uh, like at 8. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've just got an admiration of simplicity in black and white often as well. And I, like, it's like tick both boxes. Yeah, I thought it was um, excellent. I lo- like for me, it's, it's one of these, uh, I think because I didn't have much time, I came oh, really instinctively, and when I thought about Bob Dylan, for me, Bob Dylan is in black and white. You know, it's like yeah. I didn't even think about it twice. I was like, no. Yeah. Even though I'm, I'm a color, I'm a lover for color, you know, yeah. sucker for color. I always put color, but this time I was like, okay, Dylan, Dylan, he's definitely black and white. Definitely, yeah, he's a relic in the yeah, best possible yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can keep going. I'm just grabbing a fight. That's all right. Yeah, it's all cool. Yeah, Bob Dylan was it was amazing. amazing. <laughs> That's why, I, and also it was the first time for me that uh, it was the first time that the New Yorker put, like the art director for, for the New Yorker put me on that list of, you know, person to call at the last minute if you need a quick cover cool. because they didn't yeah. know if I could do that. Ah, okay. It was the first time before I always had a lot of time to do my New Yorker covers. So I think she just, she just tried and, you know, she, she gave it a go and I probably wasn't the only illustrator doing a sketch for it and, uh, and it got picked. Yeah. And then I was like, woo, so now I'm on that list. Nice. Which is nice. amazing. That's cool, yeah. What a great fun cover, New York. And it's, that's the stuff that you put on a pedestal. That's, uh, that's my, That was my bucket list, Clarence. Was it? Yeah. Nice. nice. That was my bucket list job. <laughs> New Yorker cover. <laughs> and it's that. funny because, like, act, you know, um, you can put it down to luck, but actually it was a real strategy. Not really thinking about the end goal, but when I decided to get back into editorial... More one of the reasons was that I turned down New Yorker uh, briefs too many times last year because I just didn't have time. And when I kind of got tired of doing advertising and and, and, and realized I was missing editorial, one thing I told myself is, whatever they're going to throw at me, I'm going to say yes. 
Because okay. I want to go back, in, be back into the good graces and kind of, because I don't want them to stop calling me because I'm yeah. never available. Mm. And so whatever they, they threw at me, I said yes. Like I even did like small icons for the fashion issue, like anything, anything and everything I did it. And I think it took me to do like maybe six illustration over maybe like six months or something. Uh, and, and the last one was actually a full page, which was my first full page about Beyonce. What a great brief. <laughs> yes. So I did that one, and hmm. and a couple of weeks later, that's when I received uh, the email from uh, Françoise Mouly, the art director, saying, are you interested in doing covers? We could test. We could awesome. do And yeah, I was like, yeah, oh yeah. my God. But if I hadn't gone into that process of saying yes to everything, yeah. maybe, maybe she would still ask me, but I don't, I don't think so. No, I think it's a good thing. I do that sometimes. Mm. But when I get like the same thing, just go back. I'm doing it, doing all of it. <laughs> yeah. No, they're great. And I hope there'll be many more. Yeah. So, so well, since we're talking about colours, what about your palette? Are you, does the obsessive characteristic extend to colour? Um, yes. I'm very, very particular about my colour. Uh, because I'm, it's strong. Yeah, I mean, and I never go without my uh, Penton books to see how they are going to look in print mm. and, and um, colour combination. And also, yeah, of course, I've got my favourite colours that you know, I use quite a lot. I use a lot of red and blue and black and white. But but sometimes I have to change the palette just to you know give a different mood or you mm. know. But I really yeah I think that my choice of color is very very important and probably one thing that also sets me apart from other people doing similar things. I yes. think. Yeah. Because it's it colors for me are super important. I mean you're in my flat now, so you can see it's everywhere. Yeah. Patterns, colors. Yeah. Like, and quite re- and used quite restrictively, which is co- which is nice because it's more effective. Yeah. Yeah. But I love, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great, no, you, your colour is just stunning. Like some of the, I'm drawn towards like that kind of uh, turquoise. Yeah. So like the, the pool stuff yeah. blew me away. Like that, that was just, I love those images. Like, that's why I love screen printing because you get such lush colours with screen printing. Yes. With Gicle as well, like you, you do, but like screen printing, it's even more, and you can be really mm. specific about the colour you can get fluos as well which you know I, that's why I love it <laughs> but I always like yeah I always give colour references and to everyone like whether it has to go to print or mm. you know I'm screen printing or yeah, yeah. so cool. it's yeah no I love colours yeah definitely one of, one of the favourite things yeah in my process one of my favourite moments is when I pick the exact colours mm. <laughs> I've got this weird rule as well that um, when I when I deliver, that's the last thing I do when I clean a file, when, when everything is ready for print, is look at every single color and make sure the value of my black is exactly how I want it. Yeah. Like, you know, do, it's a very subtle thing that no one will know, but, you know, does it have more magenta in it? Does it have more blue in it? Mm. Like, what kind of black it is, it, yeah. it is compared to the you other colors? You have to be like that, though. I, yeah. think, I, th- I was chatting to someone last week and he'd been doing a day working in, a, in an agency and he was kicking off because one of the younger designers was being really kind of he wouldn't budge from this, you know, it, it was a matter of millimetres, but he wouldn't, yeah. and, and he laughed and he said, well, he said, I've been an art director for years, so I should know, like, that that's the designer's world, that, that, that millimetre is yeah. the designer's world, and it's like, yeah. if you don't have that, what do you have, you know, it's yeah. like, but also, you look at, I mean, I've just, you know, I've read so many things about films, for example, where, like, a lot of the rings I read, mm. that, I read that they did beautiful kind of inscriptions on the inside of the armour that would never be seen on camera, yeah. just to get the actors into the psychological... Yeah, the, of course. Into the setting, you know, yeah. and, and if you don't, yeah. So 
it probably does have an effect on, on the overall love of your craft and yeah. your work, you know, that detail. Yeah, definitely. And even like uh, hiding little narratives or, I mean, one thing I do a lot with my work is set myself some stupid rules for drawing that no one will ever know about. Yeah. Like these kind of things. And it doesn't matter because it's, I think it's like, it, it's hidden, but it still comes out in the feeling of the piece. Of course you know, it it's this, yeah, as we said, if you don't have the passion and, that, and, the, and the sort of obsession of, over that piece, it's going to be ultimately weaker. And, yeah. and how you go about dry, yeah. getting that motivation, yeah. those little things are a huge yeah. catalyst for that. that. And that's why like, when I don't get the time, the appropriate time to, do, uh, to get to that level of detail, I get really frustrated. Yeah. Well, totally, yeah. Yeah. So that's why, like, and I think it's, it's going a bit nuts right now. Like, I don't know what's happening, but I think the, 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 the deadlines are getting crazier and crazier. Mm. Like, really nuts. Like, everyone wants things on a really quick turnaround. Really, yeah. Yeah, more and more. Like, yeah, there's the amount of email I get where it's like, you know, okay, you have to do a campaign in two weeks. It's like five illustrations in two weeks. Who can do that? I mean, of course I can do something. Yeah, but still, if you're, but it's if, never if, gonna if be you're good. spending two hours on a curve, you've got a style that needs to open. Yeah, exactly. So it's never going to be it's never going to be good enough. Yeah, and why know? would anyone want uh, a Malika Favre that's not given that? Because they do. Because they don't care. Yeah. Well, because yeah. sometimes they don't see it. You know, yeah. they don't see the value in it. They, mm. you know, do you, do you turn stuff down on oh, that basis all the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, especially on that basis. Yeah. If 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 the deadline, yeah, if deadlines don't work for me, for what I want to do, I just, I just don't do it. Mm. Yeah. Apart from editorial, which is like more, I think it's more forgiving and it has this kind of spontaneous, it's almost so far, you know, it, it has a, the spontaneous thing about yeah. it. And also the art directors who commission things on a really tight deadline know yeah. how to make it really efficient. It's like they're not going to spend, you know, four days deciding on whether yellow is going to work for their target yeah. audience. Like, it's part know. of the brief, isn't it? it exactly. Like exactly. So I think it's more like with, uh, with advertising work, I'm very, very harsh yeah. these days. I'm very you have to be, though, because there's so much riding on that, you know? Yeah. It's such an intense process with advertising because so much is riding on the campaign yeah. that you would, you wouldn't want to go through it unless it's right. Yeah. But to be honest, like, I, I'm, I, I find that the good campaigns are very rare now. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I get very rarely excited by a, by a campaign, by an advertising campaign. Yeah. Because I think like these days everyone takes shortcuts and it's so to yeah. in order to convince a client. Uh, often what they do is they take a piece of existing work and mock it up on a billboard and show it to the client and like that looks cool, doesn't it? Yeah, it wasn't done for you. And then the you know the agency comes back and you're like so we want exactly the same. You're like I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Like out of respect for the person who commissioned it, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Idea. It's yeah. So I find that a bit uh, depressing these yeah. days. The lack of risk taking and and, and yeah. creativity within agencies. I think it does it has to change because. Yeah. I, I yeah. agree. I agree. I think so. Yeah. Okay, it does need a change. It needs mm. an injection of passion. Yeah. <laughs> so do you, do you feel like um, do you feel like your creativity is 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 that your way to to show you as a person? Do you find that a positive thing emotionally? You know, to, um, and just and not necessarily just your illustration, but I think just being a creative person and being. It's just like for me, it's, yeah, it's who I am. Like I could never. Mm. Yeah, I could. I couldn't do it any other way. Even if I stop being an illustrator tomorrow, I'm still gonna, you know, um, love 
you know, picking furniture, clothes, yeah. like put creativity in little things. I think it's just who you are. Like I think so. I think I think we're, we're, we have a lot in common in that way. We're blessed with parents who encouraged and nurtured yeah. that. Whereas I come across people who are quite unhappy, friends who haven't had that. You know, yeah. they either it wasn't you know, either it wasn't discouraged or it just wasn't there. They had a tough yeah. upbringing. And, Sometimes yeah, it and wasn't understood as well. I sort yeah. of partially feel this responsibility to try and. I mean, it's, it's one of the biggest reasons I do this show. Mm. My my dream with this show is that in X amount of time I can create this permanent archive of, of these conversations yeah. with all these people that hopefully someone who hasn't had what we had mm. can then dip in and go, oh, okay. You know, yeah, yeah, th- yeah. Those jokes, those things I'm laughing about, those mm. things I'm writing down on the bus, mm. it doesn't have to be a job, but maybe this can give me some more outlets yeah. for my emotions, for my mm. aggravations, whatever it is, for my happiness. You know, it's just... I love that. Whenever I get a silly in-joke with a friend, it'll, yeah. it can quite quickly become a project that gets yeah. national press. And I think yeah. that's amazing. Like, yeah, I yeah, that's that crazy. That, yeah. That, 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 those personal quirks can be a beautiful thing. and It just makes me sad. That's why they did campaign. It just makes me sad that some people don't have access to that or don't know yeah. how to channel that part of themselves. And then that gets bottled up and this is why people become sad because they don't feel like they have a purpose, you know? And I yeah. Think, yeah. So yeah, I, of course. I, and if you're not doing what you're meant to do, I think it's very... Yeah. Yeah, it is very hard. Yeah, people get distracted, don't they, by this idea of what success is, or mm. this idea of uh, you know I should go, like you said, I could go study something mm. that's more recognised as a academic subject. Yeah, it's a deep thing, it's a deep issue, but I just find it really interesting. And just as someone who gets out of bed most mornings excited about going to work, I yeah, just, I, I want more people to have that feeling in their yeah. lives, you know. And also yeah. for like sometimes as well, I find that it's important, like on the other end of the spectrum, for people to understand that. Uh, work is what's going to make a difference it's you working on your craft it's you doing something for a really long time and being very focused that's going to get you good it's like nothing mm. comes easy yeah very true and uh, and I think uh, some that's why it's great to do podcast as well because I think when you're looking at someone's work or career from the outside in you know you're all you see is the sparkles, all you see is the finished yeah. work, all you see is bam, that's, and everything, and if, if the work is good, it looks effortless. Yes. So, which can... Simplicity is so deceptive. Yeah. But even, like, anything that just works is, looks effortless, but it's not. It no, has, you know, a lot not. of efforts have yeah. gone into it, and, and uh, so I think on the other end of the spectrum, you have, you have a lot of people who don't have access, uh, you know, don't even think that a creative career is possible, and you have, you have people who are on a creative path and are wasting it, you know, and mm-hmm. are just not working hard because because maybe they got lucky and, you know, they had parents that told them, like, yeah, you can do graphic design, it's cool, or this, and they do it but not really believing in it. You know, yeah. It's almost like you should realise that you're very lucky to actually be able to do an art school, uh, you know. Uh, yeah. It doesn't occur to a lot of people. No, <laughs> there are doesn't. a lot of people who would never even think about it. Yeah, and, um it's funny, one thing I, I realized when I was in, a, in art school in Paris is um, uh, that's why I met uh, my best mate who just moved out of London, but I used to live with him for 10 years. And it was funny because in, out of the, I don't know, like 100, 100 people on the foundation course, I think we were the only two with a grant from the government, like to kind of help fund. Uh, it's not very expensive in France, but... But you, you have to be like on the, like your parents have to, you know, earn less yeah. than blah, 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 blah. And actually, and anyone who could get it, it's not a matter of, you know, it's not merit or it's not great. It's just, you know, your financial situation. And, um, and I was really surprised. And for years, I kind of kept thinking about it and be like, why are we the only two, like, you know, in this foundation course to 
to have poor parents, <laughs> you know. Mm. And uh, and then I realized actually, oh, but actually, when you come from like a really tough background, doing art school is the last thing that's going to come to you. You know, it's not a matter of they try to, they could get in. It's all, you know, mm. public school. Anyone can get in, like as long as you're, you know, you have to do like an exam. But I was like, it's just, if you've been struggling, if your parents have been struggling financially, uh, that's the last thing you're going to think of as a career. And I think that kind of, you know, because you don't have the right surroundings, and it, you know, that's what happens. And the truth is that 80% of people doing art school are rich kids. Yeah. Because they were brought up in this freedom. Yeah. Because they didn't have this social pressure. They didn't have this money pressure. And I, I found it quite... Uh, so I think there is a lot of work to, to do with... Um, yeah, kids who don't come from that easy background and haven't been open to art and haven't been to mm. exhibition and museum with their parents to kind of, you know, make them aware that it can be done. Yeah, like, yeah. but it's totally true. Yeah, it's a... Uh, I think that's why so many kids do struggle, you know, and yeah. the class divides creates victims in that respect, yeah, you know. Yeah, but it's, it's like... I don't even think they, they you know... They think, oh, I wish I'd done art. I think it just oh, no, doesn't cross their mind. It just hasn't entered their world. <laughs> yeah, yet. exactly. There was an interesting... I was trying to I had designers block on the, on the show and I asked them the question I'm about to ask you in a minute, like the love-hate last question that I asked people. And um, one of the, I think it was a, it was a love and a hit was one of the answer they gave and, and it was Pierre... No, it wasn't Pierre's. It was uh, Rory from designers block. And he said they did, a, they did a project, a big public project in a quite a run-down area of East mm. London. And... They went there to set up, and then all the local kids coming by asking what's going on, and etc. etc. And he went back uh, four days later, and one of the local people said, Oh, have you heard about the petition? And he was like, Oh, no, God, like they, they want us to, they thought they wanted them to clear out. And he was the opposite, they wanted, they, they wanted to get a petition going so that they could have this stuff on a permanent basis. Oh, cool. Because they'd yeah. seen just how many kids flopped there out of yeah. curiosity and wanted to be part of whatever was going on. Yeah. And they didn't have that, which is really sad. And so you gave that as the love and the hit. People who yeah. don't have access was the hit. Yeah. And what creativity can do for the most unexpected people was his love. Yeah. And I just found that really, mm. uh, really powerful. And it's just totally true. Mm. <laughs> no, I totally agree. So on that basis, the last question I ask everyone is the shark in the tank. And I asked them. <laughs> I call it that because it's my uh, favourite piece of art is Damien Hurst's. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, it's a shark in the tank. Okay. Yeah, yeah, shark in the tank, yeah. And... Um, yeah, so I ask people to name a love and a hate, and very loosely within the creative world, but it's a very open-ended question. And it's just a very, love and a hate of yeah, what? Just like, anything. It's a very lateral question, so it's, I, I usually say loosely within the creative world, but it can be anything. Something I love and something yeah, I hate. It can be oh, as God, playful or as serious or as of the moment as you want. It's very open. I always get really interesting answers from people. Something I love and something I hate. <laughs> I mean, the things I love, there are tons of, so... <laughs> Something I hate. Is there really something I hate? Because usually I don't care. I just look the other way. <laughs> <laughs> Is there something I really hate? Oh, shit, I should have prepared that before. <laughs> no, it wouldn't work if I prepared people about it. Nah, that's true. <laughs> you can twist it. It doesn't have to be like, I really hate this. It's really interesting, actually. Some of the answers have been really quite positive that people have given to that one. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm trying to wrap my head around all the things I love and, you know it's a bit like choosing your favourite film you're like yeah. it's impossible because <laughs> yeah. you're like oh I love this but then I love this as well um, I think one of the one of the, the let's say so that's going to be very literal to art but uh, 
one of the things that touched me the most uh, was a giant, was like the uh, giant, not that giant, was a piece by Anish Kapoor, which I think I saw in Prague. I love his work. Somehow, I love his work. I, love it. I find it beautiful. Show. It's organic and slightly disgusting at times. Yeah. Everything looks like a giant vagina. <laughs> it does. <laughs> but there is this one piece, which I, I didn't know it was from him, but I saw it in, a, yeah, I saw it in Prague. It's called Pregnant. Yeah. And it's just, and you have to, you have to see it in real life, I think, because if you look, if you Google it, it's, it's not the same. It was very unexpected. I was coming out of a corner at the museum, and I arrived, and there was this entirely white wall, and out of the wall was coming this perfect bump. Yeah. It was just a belly. That's amazing. It was. Amazing. I don't know. It's one of the things I still remember. It, it was probably like I understand it. Cause I, I, it was one oh. of the. It was one of the few artists when we studied like the theoretical side at design college that I really connected with and just adored his work. Mm. And like you say, you can't appreciate it on a screen because it's all about spatial. Yeah, yeah. it's all about yeah how you and also the texture of the paint. Of yeah. the, the, I mean, it's so the light. It's all about man. the light as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah, even all these colors like pigment things. It's all about seeing them in you know yeah. seeing the, the the intensity of the of the color. Yeah. You know, with these little sculptures and stuff. It's a good answer. Um, but yeah, so Pregnant by Anish Kapoor is uh, one of the most beautiful pieces of art I've seen. Mm. Um, and something I hate. Um, oh, I don't think there is a lot of things I really hate. <laughs> oh. No, so it's not going to be a thing. It's not going to be a thing as such. But it's more like a phenomenon, or it's more like a. Oh, I'm not going to make a lot of friends by saying that, but um, one thing that I've uh, that I've annoyed me for a really long time is the. I don't know. It's this kind of uh, like I'm not a feminist, but like this all, you know, I was asked a few times to kind of stand up for female in graphic design and this kind of thing. And, uh, and for me, it's something that always got to me because uh, I never wanted to do it. I never thought there was a discrimination like in graphic design. Um, yeah, I, I actually, I don't know, I've ne maybe because I've never felt this discrimination. It's never, being a woman has never been a problem for me in terms of graphic design. Mm. I think there are way more important ways to uh, to fight for women's rights and I think you know I think women are being discriminated in, in, mm. in totally different areas and that these are much more important to fight for yeah. than being in graphic design mm. you know I always thought that was a non-issue I find it me. interesting <laughs> I find it interesting because I, yeah, I had a lady on the show called Jane Boyer a few episodes ago and it was she'd done a project called Women in Print and I thought it was good because she'd the project was basically 15 graphic designers in and around the Manchester area mm. and they'd chosen an inspiring woman to celebrate through their work which I thought was different because it wasn't yeah. necessarily about anything going on in graphic design but it was using their creative skills to celebrate and her point was that particularly in Manchester you you were completely bombarded with male idols so anything from the Gallagher's yeah. to the Ian Brown to football you know Brian Giggs everything um, and that there were ladies like Emily Pankhurst and, and this whole raft of other ones in the project yeah. that were overlooked. And, and it, that came off the back of um, the first ever female statue in Manchester that yeah. somebody campaigned for. So in that instance, I thought that was really good use of it. But yeah. then, like you say, this insular thing of 
everything within graphic design and about I get your yeah. point and I think it's really, I think there's yeah yeah because I think there are there are there is it's a, it's a very it's still we still live in a very male dominated world and 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 I and I also feel that a female perspective on graphic design or illustration or art is different mm. you know I mean everyone's perspective is different but there is a, a sensibility that different so I think that's yeah. to be celebrated oh totally that's yeah. not a problem but but for me it's always been this fight of like let's get more women in you know doing it this it can be it's a like, bit too uh, aggressive can't it yeah and, it's and something that's yeah. ill channeled I think sometimes you yeah. Know? yeah you can be more you can use it way more effectively yeah exactly and up. there are yeah and it's yeah good answer the ones that take the longest are always a really good answer because yeah, people are like it's, it's oh. funny, and then this, funny. this bit of wisdom just hits them when it's yeah. amazing <laughs> but it's funny because actually there are there are very few things I hate. Me too. Like I, very few. As I've got older, I just think listen, it's completely wasted energy. Yeah. Negative energy is yeah. wasted, and it's just you, if you, there are always ways to flip things and make it a positive thing. Or yeah, and, like, you know, and also like uh, for me, it's um, things are either crap, in which case they don't even need my hate, or they don't even deserve yeah. my energy, <laughs> or I just don't get them. But someone else will. You know, it's that's it. Once you start to look at the world from that point of view, you think, oh, yeah, it's not for me. But I love that that guy loves it, and I love why that guy loves it. And yeah, it's like, that's yeah. The, you you become a much happier person. I certainly yeah. have just from not. So things, things that piss me off. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, there is another thing that. There is another. Actually, that really pisses me off. <laughs> that there is that really pisses me off. <laughs> that gets me going. It's this new trend of hipster and I'm not criticizing hipster because I'm probably one of them but <laughs> it's like this new trend of like hipster series like series like Netflix series or anything HBO series um, showing hipsters having like completely dysfunctional dialogues with each other like um, what is it? how is it called love or like whatever like I don't know if you've seen that it's basically this, now we've got this oh you, you have it a bit in girls even though I like girls but like Having these uh, anti-heroes mm. as main characters who are absolute douchebags. But it's like, usually you've got, you know, heroes that's a bit annoying and, you know, it gets on your nerves. But there is something that yeah. uh, is a bit endearing. But now there is this new wave of series where there is nothing endearing about those characters. And it scares me because I think, actually, the next generation is going to identify to these mm. assholes. And they are assholes. <laughs> So, so like there is, no, you know, and you think like love is a good example. I hated that with all my guts that Not series because because the main girl is obnoxious and awful as a mm. human being, and she stays at least she stays true to herself. She stays awful and selfish and self centered until the last very last minute. Yeah, and for me that gets to me because I'm like, what, like, why, 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 like, why that gets to me. <laughs> Brilliant. I love that. <laughs> That's it. That's the two things. I that love it. Well, that's been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for your time. <laughs> that probably pisses me off more than the uh, feminist. <laughs> Brilliant. What a, what a great way to end it. <laughs> Thanks, Malika. No problem. <laughs> Malika's up there with um, some of the biggest names in the industry right now, the Rod Hunts, the misled to this world. Of course, we've all been on this show. So you need to go back and check out the archive. 50 episodes to get your teeth into now, some of them two-parters. Lots of different themes, individuals, creative agencies. There's so much learning going on in all these stories that people are giving me their time of day to tell. 
So I hope you've been enjoying it. I really want to shape this show according to my listeners and the people that are into it. So let me know if you think there's anything wrong. I'm happy to take the criticism. I'm always willing to learn and move on from it. So give me your thoughts. What would you improve? What would you change? What would you add? And what would you take away? I'd love to know that. Um, We're going to be looking for some new sponsors moving forward in the new year. The old uh, bunch, Illustration Limited, heartinternetandprinted.com, absolute uh, mainstays, love having them around hope they're going to be here for some time to come be nice to add one or two more um, if people are up supporting the show get in touch or any suggestions on that front it's been an exciting time, it's been a whole new adventure for me doing this broadcasting stuff so so glad that people are connecting with it and loving it and, and making their own suggestions, keep that coming on the Twitter at Arrest Mimics. let me know your thoughts on Malika Favreau we've got one more episode before Christmas coming up next week with Lauren Goodland Um and after that, there's going to be a one-week break, and then we're back into the new year with a vengeance, with a load of new guests coming up, brand new way of taking things forward. So, once again, thank you so much for all your support, for listening, for sharing, for reviewing. Go and drop us a review on iTunes if you subscribe on there, if you get a chance, please. Big help. And keep coming back, keep spreading the word. Your support is crucial. You guys telling other people about it is one of the best ways of me getting listeners, so please continue to do that. Um, get get thoughts as well who's been your favourite guest let me know who your favourite guest of 2016 was or just the whole history of Arrest or Mimics and who would you like to hear from in 2017 and why thank you so much guys cheers to the sponsors again Illustration Limited heartinternetprinted.com thanks to everyone for listening supporting check you all out soon uh, cheers to Malika Favre first and foremost for today's episode see you next week Listening.